Niño, vente conmigo, escúchame. Te cuento una cosa. De unos hombres. Ay, estos hombres eran hombres bravos. Llegaban de África con la fuerza y la belleza. Ay, dijo, conquistaban la ignorancia y la bestia en la humanidad. Daban al mundo la luz y el fe. También el dios cósmico. Los llamamos los conquistadores chocolates.
so pleased to be doing this today a little bit of old school a little bit of original boogie it's Giles Peterson out of the podcast situation and uh, I've got a very special guest with me a very very special guest his name is Snowboy hi mate it's good to see you very good to see you too um, first of all before we start talking about your book um, from jazz funk to acid jazz yeah from jazz funk confusion to acid jazz yeah. we I wanted to um, thank you actually because a few years ago I had a bit of a problem with my left ear and uh, you were one of the people that I called up in a panic and you were brilliant with me and uh, you really made me feel better about everything and uh, you know made me understand my ear because you'd had a few well, I don't know, yeah. you, you'd yeah. had your problems hadn't you I've so, been through the same thing yeah. are you feeling good are you, how are your ears now um, it, well it, I, I just accepted the fact that I've I think once you that's the thing with these things once you accept the fact that you have a, a problem with one of these things yeah. you know, then you can get on with things a bit a lot better and it's funny yeah. because these days I, I don't even remember having a. Pro- it's weird. I think your brain eventually gets used to it, and you just. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't notice I have a problem in my ear. I just don't notice it at all anymore. Yeah, we're just getting completely um, sort of um, dull to it. We've probably got extremely big problems. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all getting older and falling apart, Giles. We are now. Listen, I'm pleased. I'm pleased you're here. I'm really pleased you're here. Um, I'm particularly. 
Um, delighted to say that I, I got your book. There'd been a lot of talk about it for, for ages and ages that you were doing this book. In fact, you interviewed me like, I don't know, what seems like three or four years ago. Yeah. And uh, there was this talk about this book that you were writing and um, and it's finally come out, even though there were a few spelling mistakes that they're fixing. Yes, yeah, 250 spelling mistakes, yeah. <laughs> to be exact. Yeah. Okay, talk about your book, tell us about it and um, will you ever do it again? Um, well, okay, well, let, let's start with the last question first. No, I would, I, I would never, ever do another book again. Um, certainly not nothing of that size. Uh, it's 300 pages long. Um, it's about 120,000 words. Um, and um, it, it's quite a thankless task, you know, um, I, 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 because, you know, for years, I mean, ten, for, I, I've been working on the book over a 10-year period, and... Um, I mean, even I gave up at halfway through thinking that no one's going to be interested in it and I really didn't, started to you know, lose the way with it a little bit and there was a lot of people in the scene being very negative about the book as well and, uh, um, and in fact I mean I remember once driving all the way up to Leeds to do an, to interview some people and all the, all the way there and they never even turned up and when we got, when we got older than them they said oh they were decorating their lounge that afternoon or something and you know you got that kind of you know people you know thing where you didn't think people were that interested so um and and the reason i really the reason i, I forged ahead and finished it was because i realized i was playing with people's feelings you know there's a lot of 95 percent of the people i interviewed in the book never been interviewed in their lives and, and it meant a lot to them and it meant a lot to their family and friends and um and I was constantly getting pestered. When's the book coming out? When's the book coming out? And I'm thinking, God, I'm only halfway through, you know. And but and I, and 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 I suddenly realised then that it wasn't just about me writing the book. It's about you know, you know, I am playing with other people's feelings. And that was one thing that really pushed me ahead to uh, to finish it. It certainly won't be for monetary gain, that's for sure. I, I don't imagine. But, uh, <laughs> that's what they say. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they all say at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't feel like that, definitely. But then again, this book is so um, it's 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 deep, but it's not anal to the point of being boring. Mm. I felt maybe it's because I I could relate to all of it. Mm. The point is, it's talking about a particular scene mm. that you've led all the way through to the beginning of Acid Jazz, mm. which is what year? Um, well, it, it was it it was it, it goes through to more or less the, the, the really big explosion. Um, to worldwide explosion which is probably about 90 93 something around there you know i mean i'm talking about when it's really massive you know um the, the, you know by then really a whole new generation had discovered that music and didn't really understand the jazz side of acid of acid jazz you know whatever acid jazz was you know um and you, you suddenly realize then that um that the idea of playing coltrane or or blakey or Chick career to a dance floor was probably not going to ha be happening, you know, on a large scale anymore after after that because um, it was, um, you know, it became a, a worldwide a worldwide fashion. You know, people, you know, I mean, as you know as well as I do, I mean, acid jazz means something to everybody. You know, I mean, a lot of people just don't realise it. Was, you know, obviously started off as a joke. You know, so um, amongst your amongst your crowd. So I feel a lot of people actually. What what people need to know as well, um, who 
are listening to this who might not know Snowboy you've basically been um, one of the key DJs um, out of Essex yeah. inspired by the gold mine mm. Chris Hill yeah. all that it's, it's all in the book mm. and you then basically went on to apart from DJing you ended up being a, prof- a very high level professional musician performing on one side with people like Lisa Stansfield mm. and on the other side doing all your Snowboy projects yeah. you've made a lot of albums yeah 15 albums yeah, yeah so you know, this is a, you know, you're in it. Um, I mean, did you feel that it was important to, I mean, I think it's incredible that you've done this and I feel very proud and privileged to have been part of a, mm. of a movement that's actually, it's got, there's a bit, there's something there on print which mm. says that it happened. I think it's important mm. for any form of music because what ends up, things get mistold or misunderstood in the future. So we know there's, there's something in there in the mm. reference library, right? Yeah, that's right. Was yeah, that the main, was it one of the, was that one of the reasons before you kind of um, started feeling that you had a responsibility emotionally to all the people you interviewed was one of the reasons that you felt that you really wanted this to be um to, to, to be written down yeah because well yeah because well because well i mean that was the original reason i started doing the book in the first place because I, I i felt that um I, I overheard some jazz dancers one day talking about um certain things uh, like a, 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 a certain thing that had happened in the the scene and I, I remembered it as definitely as clear as anything has been two two years before that and i remember thinking blimey all these all this stuff is getting forgotten about and you know, uh, and exaggerated. Um, someone's going to document it, and I thought if someone's going to document it, it may as well be me because you know I, I have been very dedicated to that stuff since the late seventies, really. You know, I mean, as an underage drinker, I mean, I used to hire the gold mine out as a seventeen-year-old one one Wednesday a month to put my own jazz funk nights on. You know, so I've kind of, you know, I've always been very dedicated to every little nuance of the scene and celebrate every every offshoot of it, and. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that I, I started doing it. I just didn't realise what a massive job it was going to be and how many hours it, it would take. I mean, for each inter- each interview probably lasted two or three hours. Then I had to write it out by hand, um, and and self edit as I went along. What was, you know, clear, clear all the rubbish out that we didn't need, and then of course the typing and uh, of it all. So which my wife did and so it's, it's it and um, it was the process went on forever. Um, the the, the the, the the key thing that really made me finish the book off, um, and I'm not going to speak bad of them because I, I, I you know, particularly Bill Brewster, because I really, really do like Bill, but um, I really thought that um, that they weren't, that, that they almost totally ignored our scene in that, in that amazing book of theirs, Last Night a DJ Saved My Life. It's an incredible book, but we were totally, almost totally ignored in there. And, and, there's another incredible book by Peter Shapiro, who's an Englishman who lives in America, who did a, an incredible book on the history of disco. I mean, and he, he, he gives our scene one page in there, and it's just so derogatory. And, I, and you know, and, and that, and those two books really, really pushed me on, you know, to, I thought, no, you know, this is, this is wrong. You know, we really, you know, our, our scene, especially the jazz funk scene, was as big as the house scene ever became. You know, like, it was a world, it was a countrywide massive scene wasn't it you know and and you know and I, I yeah I, in the end I did I, I did feel I did feel that uh that the story had to be told you know it wasn't just going to be one-sided you know that, you know so 
um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I could ramble on all day long about 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 that, you know. No, well, one of the things <laughs> I thought was great about the way the book was, um, you've written the book, is you, you took a leaf out of the Tito Puente um, yeah. autobiography, yeah. which was basically a bunch of interviews. Yes. Right, and so um, you basically interviewed all these people and you've made sense of it over the story of the book. I mean, it's funny because there have been so many different stories that have gone from different people and things get exaggerated and whatever, but when you read it all... Um, within the sort of the, the depth of the book, mm. in the end, the truth comes out. Yeah, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I try. That's what I tried to do. Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. a, it's, a, it's good. It's a, okay, this we actually started off the the um, this. Um, this episode with um <laughs> I can't stop talking, laughing. It's good having you opposite me. Yeah. Um, we started off with three um, kind of what you would call a bona fide classic jazz functions yeah definitely yeah D dancers favorites you know these are the tracks that in that inspired us all to go on to dance to to out and out jazz without a doubt yeah yeah so which what, 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 what uh, we, we started with johnny hammond oh gosh of yeah. course we did which you tried to play this weekend at southport yeah i couldn't i couldn't manage to fit it in anywhere but i, I, <laughs> I yeah it's about time that had a a revival, I think, to the yeah. masses. Yeah, that's had it. Los yeah. Conquistadores Chocolates, and then what? Uh, Royer's Evolution, mm. uh, then Crown Heights, Far Outs, and that's just... it. Now we're about to play. We're about to play the, I suppose, possibly the biggest um, tune, which is still. I mean, there's a really good article about expansions by Don Liston Smith, or a story in your book mm. about when that first came out. Is it Chris Hill talking about it? No, no. Um, um, Someone's talking about. No, no, it. no. I, I, uh, that that was research I, I, I had. You know, which I, I found from, from looking at. Uh, I think it was in an old Black Music and Jazz Review magazine, and. Um, because the year that the year that Lonely Listen Smith expansions came out, there was a bunch of other incredible records came out that year. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, well, I guess I guess some of what we've just been playing were, were around that time. You know, um, well, you, I mean, because obviously CTI and Kudu just just a couple of years previous had started to do that kind of funky jazz. They didn't have a name for it at that point. They started calling it uh, crossover jazz in America in yeah. Billboard. It, they weren't terming it as jazz funk at that point. Um, and it seemed to me around this kind of 1975 kind of period, you started having the Mazelle Brothers productions coming through, didn't you? Like you know, like, like Johnny Hammond, who we just that we just heard, and um, you know, Bobby Humphreys and uh, Donald Donald Bird, of course. And um, of course, Lonnie Liston Smith expansions. I mean, uh, for God's sake, I mean, I, I've, I've never, you know, we're, we're, the thing is with that record, we've all heard it a thousand times. You got, you've really got to put yourself back to. Try and remember what it's like the first time you've heard you heard it, and I mean, really, I, I never ever heard a record like that in my life. You can the impact it must have made as coming out as a new release must have been beyond belief, you know. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it ended up becoming staple diet on the dance floors over here, although it wasn't really big at all um, in America as a dance floor record. It, it was a top jazz, top number one jazz record. But, um, Lonnie Liston Smith said when he came over here. Uh, um, to see the uh, uh, when, when the record was reissued over here in 1978, it was the first time he'd ever seen people dancing to it. He didn't make it as a dance record.
Yes, we're going straight in at the deep end with Snowboy, who has just put out a book. It should be out any minute now. You can pick it up by ordering it, right? Yeah, you can, yeah. yeah. You can't just get it in um, in foils or um, borders. You, can you, you? You, well, uh, you can in... Um, can you? Yeah, by the, by the end of... Um, by the end of May, it will be available anywhere. You know, boulders, foils, well, they, water well, stones, all it's those. It's not too specialist for those people. No, no, it, no it's, it's going to be definitely available in those I hope shops. so, yeah. I hope so. Um, so mm-hmm. we're kind of um, trying to play some... I mean, there's so much of this music which is sort of fundamental to the book, which we're playing the soundtrack right now, right? It was yeah. Chick Corea with uh, Central Park. Yeah. And uh, the bass line, very similar on this one. I haven't heard this for ages. Same bass player. It sounds like Jacko Pastorius. Yeah, it's Bunny Brunel. Bunny Brunel, yeah. Blatant blatant Jacko Pastorius rip-off merchant, but amazing all the same. (laughs) Your (laughs) honour. Love it, love it. Okay, um, so, I mean, I want to get into your head a little bit and... um, and just get a little bit of your history because you interviewed everybody and there wasn't really a great deal of snowboy in there. I suppose you're all encompassing in the book, of course, but mm. what was your history and who were the DJs that really um, influenced you the most when you were growing up? Um, well, you know, really, you know, I was very lucky to, to only live a couple of miles from one of the greatest clubs ever anyway, which does feature heavily in the book, which is the gold mine yeah. with the DJ Chris Hill. Um and only 15 miles down the road in Chelmsford, you had Bob Jones. I mean, really, in some ways, Bob Jones and Chris Hill were rivals, even though Bob was on a much s- smaller level, because, you know, they both were... Um, you know, I can't say one influenced me more than another, but they were both very, very jazz-biased. Um, and, uh, I mean, Chris Hill was the first first superstar DJ, wasn't he? He was the first. He was the first yeah, I mean, he was earning £1,000 a night at the gold mine in 1979, you can't. People can't imagine that you would earn that kind of money. You yeah. know, he was a. I mean, I remember. Yeah, he. I remember him at K Star, and I was what seventeen, and uh, he played. I'm trying to get this right now. He played Eruption. I must have been a bit older. Eruption by Tiny Maria. Yeah. Peak time. Yeah. Saturday night, mm. over a thousand people, really? probably a couple of thousand people. Wow, yeah, yeah. In, alongside all the boogie <clears throat> disco, yeah. where he was playing, mm. he played Eruption. Not even wow. come with me. No, no, no. That's quite brave, isn't it? Bloody hell. So that's what people forget about him. And yeah. He, and he almost. Um, I mean, there's a bit of your style that's a bit hilly, a little bit kind yeah. of. Um, you'll shout down the mic and you will order people to do yeah, things. Yeah. Dance. That's right. Yeah. Sit down. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, that, it, I mean, that's my background. Yeah, I, I unashamedly uh, don't mind admitting that. You know, no, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I think no. Hilly was is still, you know, I mean, his influence not only as a DJ but also in what he did as a as a record label person. Yeah. I mean, he signed Sinead O'Connor, the mm. Boomtown Rats, yeah. all that stuff. So he had mm. quite a big, wide... Someone should write a book about him. I know, I know. That's, I your, know. Ne- that's your next step. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, do, do you know what? The, the, that's the nicest thing, though, uh, so far, is that, um, I mean, other than the, the lovely things you've been saying, the, the lovely, lovely compliments you've been saying, Giles, today, other than that, I mean, Chris Hill 
actually phoning me and telling me how much my book means to him you know and you know uh, you know that's such an incredible thing for for someone that I've held in such high esteem over the years to to turn around and say that you know I mean he doesn't he's achieved anything you can achieve you know yeah I think it must have been difficult for him over the last few years to see how because in a way he was he he predated the whole DJ movement right yes even though he was earning superstar wages and he was the only one in the UK earning that he yeah. must have seen everyone just go ballistic when he was already getting a bit too old but mm. I know he was always a big jazz head wasn't he yeah. and, and he was and he yeah I mean his influence is um, is incredible and I think it's important that someone like him is written about mm. more because I don't even think that people like him were particularly he heavily written about in, in books like Last Night a DJ Saved My Life and all that not really You've right? spoken about derogatory yeah a yeah, little bit like jazz funk it's kind of like it was he, he, he got the bad end of the sort mm. of the the, the, the the people throwing water at the beer thing right yeah that's right yeah which is a, which is unfortunate and yeah. and, and, and not fair but but yeah Hilly um it's good that he's good that he's in there, and and Jonesy, um, because in a way I think you write this in the book is the fact that you know he would be in the room next door at Caster and he would be the one playing impressions by John Coltrane. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, he was one of the key jazz dance elements of of the of the movement because Hilly didn't go that far deep in a way. It no, was, it was I'm... all a bit too elitist for him, wasn't it? He he did, he was more. He didn't really want to be. Um, you know, he 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 was happy to throw it in the main crowd, but yeah. he he was never yeah. that comfortable being. Yeah, yeah. Well, well Hilly, um, in fact, he only just said that to me a couple of nights ago on the phone. That that he said that he, um, you know, he's seen he's always seen that music as being played together, all the different styles. You know, with Philly soul and disco and, and funk boogie, jazz jazz funk, all played together in one room. That's the way, that's the way he's always wanted it. He's he never really agreed. With the whole thing, where say when Paul Murphy came along and was just doing it in one room all night long, yeah. he never saw it as an elitist thing. But and I said to Chris, well, you know, at the end of the day, mate, you were still playing stuff like, you know, you're not going to get much heavier than Love Samba McCoy Tyner. You know, you're not going to get much heavier than that. I mean, I, you know, he would think nothing of playing that at the gold mine. You know, uh, in, in right in the peak of the evening. Um, <laughs> so. Um, but um, but he, he, he you know Chris's Chris's says about Bob exactly as you say that you know Bob in a way Bob's Bob's always been the small room kind of DJ you know that that's that's where Bob belongs you know in in the moody room you know you know you know really playing the deep stuff you know um, and he can play that because he can because you can't play Impressions Coltrane you know uh, you know to two and a half thousand people in in, in the main hall at Caster you can't do that yeah. Um, We've all tried. <laughs> you would, I know you'd have a go. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and I also think if if Jonesy hadn't have started experimenting with the with the with the bop stuff on the floor, I don't, I, I almost I don't know whether anyone else would have cottoned on to that because you know he was again no one had touched bebop on the dance floor before before Jonesy, and he is an unsung unsung hero. I mean. Um, you know, as Bob's always saying, as you well know this, Giles, Bob, Bob, Bob always says, oh, I don't like to shout about myself. You know, well, well this book is shouting about him. And, uh, you know, and it's, uh, I mean, the good, the good thing about my book is that it's been, it's been, it's been published in Japan, in Japanese. Uh, Chris Hill is going over there. Bob Jones is going over there. And Colin Curtis is going over there. You know, uh, they've all got compilations coming out over there. 
you know so it's you know because now you know they are they're at long last they're they're being recognized as innovators of of our jazz dance scene you know they were you know they're the roots of it and it's good that it's recognized at last wow i think that's great that hilly's going to japan to dj he's coming with me he's coming with me in in about three weeks time i'm over there for three weeks and what are you going to do where are you going to play uh i'm playing in shibuya duo um the uh, various blue notes and various billboards um so there's nine gigs all in all in all um, all, all around the book yeah all, all uh well uh, um it's over two things my book is out there and my latest cd which came out over here last november communication that's been released in japan and you're going to be doing the live band there D as well. doing the live band wow. and i'm going to be doing some doing something for the british council like a jazz dance thing with the japanese stacks groove jazz dancers and um yeah yeah just trying to involve the japanese jazz dance community as well um and um but also show them chris hill you know this is this is this is one of the originators of our scene, you know, and um, it's great. I've already seen the posters and there's Chris on there and it's fantastic. Oh, how fantastic. So you're going to be going over there with, with Hilly, yeah. Bob Jones. No, no, uh, no Bob, uh, Bob and Colin, um, Bob, Chris, Bob and Colin have all got a compilation, a jazz compilation out, each coming out called, um, it's called the Innovators of Jazz Dance Series, volumes one, two, three. And later on this year, they're all going out there to DJ as well, to do, you know, so, and, and about time too. Yeah, about guys. time too, that's fantastic. Now that actually brings me on to the um, Northern Southern thing in a way, yeah. because of Colin Curtis, and he was a big influence on me because I was going up to Manchester to see my friend who was at university there, mm. and I'd go to Berlin's every now and again, and I'd hear him playing his style of jazz dance, mixing it up with the dance music of the time. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you had to incorporate that. I mean, that's a massive part of, of our culture mm. on the jazz dance scene as well, isn't it? Yes, that's right, yeah. And that was all your drives up to Leeds when no one would turn up. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's great that, um, you know, what, what, I was, what, what I'm pleased about, is, about my book is that when I do do the interviews, you know, I try and keep away from that north-south divide. The amount of rubbish I was told in the interviews, you know, all this kind of area. Pro I can understand people being proud of their areas. Of course, I can. But you know, if they're going to be, if they're going to tell me, if, if you know, I, I want to know why they're proud of the area. You know, what, 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 what? Could, you know, if something supposedly started there, then why, did, why did it? And give me evidence of it. You know, I'm, I'm I was forever cross-referencing everything to try and get to the bottom of it. And when I put the interviews together in the book, I decided rather than, you know, just, you know, say, right, this is Essex, there's London, there's Manchester, there's Birmingham. I, I, I just started, square, I thought it was the most fairest thing to do was to start at Scotland and work, work, and work the way down the, the country, you know, and, and, and eventually finish in London. Uh, well, I did a little bit of a kind of a funny route, but because uh, I, I went to <laughs> I went down the country and then past Bristol down to Devon, you know Sussex, Surrey, Essex, and then London, you know. So, um, but I thought it was the fairest thing to do, and I, and all the everyone's stories are told as as you go down the country, mm. and there's a lot of cross pollination mm. going on there, which is great, you know. And there's lot, you know, so. Um, and uh, and also just trying to avoid, as you say, trying to avoid all this north-south divide thing, you know. 
We've run out of record. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah, well. That's all right. That's okay. We was can it just playing in the background? That was playing. Around. No, I've got to say at this point that Mark <laughs> hasn't got headphones on. We've only got one pair of headphones in this studio. And one of them actually, my one half of the ear keeps coming off. So you might, you might get a little bit of feedback that's just popped okay. in every now and again. But can right. you pass me another record anyway? Yes. That was Ariel, um, one I haven't heard for a long time. Well, let's put Pacific Jam on. Oh, we've got to do that. We've got to do that. Actually, we've got to talk. Talking, when, you, when you pull out a record like Pacific Jam, it makes me think of Chris Bangs. Right. Because I remember hear him, hearing him play that at the Rio in Didcot okay and I suppose where Curacil was a big influence on you living mm. in Essex yeah. me living in Surrey um, sort of South London yeah. it was people like Chris Bangs and yeah. Tarun and, course, um, yeah. and guys like that who were a big influence to me and yeah. um, it's good to see that he's in the book as well and yeah. he's in a way he's the one responsible for this horrible thing that was acid jazz <coughs> Bangsy yes <laughs> I know I know yes <laughs> which track we're we playing Night Trip uh, or on, Anto's on, on, Ante Diminada oh okay that's a different one to the, what um, I know you were, to gonna, play that. you were going to play the, the, the Batucada on there, or you were going to play the jazz funk track? I used to like Night, night Trip on this, um, but are you talking about Antes de... Oh, here yeah. we go. See, my ear went off there. Yeah. And, <laughs> Antes de Maya Snyder, that one. Ante de Minardi, a track. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. That's, we're both saying it. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what. Yeah. I'll tell you what, let's play it, yeah. and then we'll continue the conversation okay. we can talk about. It. Let's just um, see how this one drops at this moment in time, and uh, see if it sounds good. There you go.
Oh, we went off a little bit, didn't we, um, just now? Um, but it happens in podcasts. There's no production here. Right. No. It should, it's like, as you said, Southport Radio. Yeah, it is, yeah. Is yeah, it better or worse than Southport Radio? Well, we're, well it's, it's the same, isn't it? You know, we're, we're, <laughs> it's, we're almost back to pirate radio again here, aren't we? I love it. Yeah. Um, we were actually <laughs> we were talking about the north-south divide, and then for some odd reason I went into Chris Bangs in Rio in Didcot, yeah. which is very unfair. And, you know, so where were we yeah. going with the... Um, you went around the you went yeah, around yeah. the country. Yeah, I said I started off with, with uh, Scotland and worked the way down because yeah. I, I was trying to avoid all this north-south dividers. You know, I, I, I didn't I, I didn't stand I didn't stand for any of that in the um, I didn't stand for any of that in in the interviews. You know, if um, <clears throat> I appreciate if something started somewhere first, that's fine. But you know, but you know, um, it's uh, a lot of people would say. You never had it down south, or people down south saying, "Oh, they never did that up north." But the people would say that without actually giving any evidence of, you know, other than it, you know, an opinion being based on area on area pride, you know. So, but anyway, this is the point. Mm -hmm. um, Paul Pratchell's just walked in with with a, with your publishers just walked in with a copy of the book that neither of us had up yes. until this point. So we're very happy about that. Um, but. Hey, let's get to the the bottom the the, the key the bottom end. I was going to say, yeah, right, okay. North or south? Who invented the jazz dance movement? Where did it start? Um, In your opinion, having interviewed everyone, is it? Is it? I mean, Northern Soul. We know where that yeah, started. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know it sounds sitting on sitting on the fence, but um, the way things were in those days, you know, I, I just think that Colin Curtis, Chris Hill was playing jazz long before anyone else. That, that's a fact. I mean, but the fact is, I think Colin Colin Curtis. Uh, did, did it in the north and I think Colin ca came to uh, I think he just came to similar conclusions that they did that, that, that Chris Hill and Bob Jones did down south you know and they and their scene was so different than ours you know so I would I, I you know um, I know it sounds sitting on the fence but but yeah but Chris I mean yeah Chris Hill was playing jazz before anyone else but that's his background he, he, he lived and breathed it through the through the 60s but, um, okay now the other thing I wanted to ask you was in a way, I feel a little bit guilty um, having been part of this acid jazz movement. Mm. Um, should I feel guilty about that? Why? Why not? Should you feel guilty? In the sense, in the sense of, did it kill the jazz dance movement? Is it? Do you know what I mean? Was this? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, well, it's yeah. No, that's that's a that's a good that's a good question um, because. The jazz dance scene didn't run alongside acid jazz. Uh, you know, acid jazz um, became uh, the, the jazz dance scene became the acid jazz scene because, but it was more it was more or less finished in the north of England anyway. It, you know, the, it was it was probably only getting played at weekenders at that point um, in the north and and down south there was you know um, you know Baz was getting. Disappointed because the, the attendance was dropping in his best for jazz. That is, you know, who I guess was your nearest rival. I, I would say that um, a lot of his attendances were dropping. He was getting quite down about it. There was a lot of resentment about all this new fun kind of thing coming through. But there's, you know, in that scene, it, you know, it's all very well people talking about the fun. There was a lot of very very serious music being played in there. You know, um, it was kind of getting back to. The way the scene was in the 70s where you could go to a night and, and hear loads of great music all played you know together you know all, all, all kinds of things but <clears throat> i mean the, the fact remains is i suppose is that um the heavier end of the jazz dance scene yeah i mean you know with, without a doubt that that kind of very very much suffered um 
But I, I think it suffered though because of all the new DJs coming in on the scene that wanted to play acid jazz. You know, that they had no background in 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 you know, they, they, you know, they, they, they you know they hadn't been around ten years previous and seen you know you know how it how it came about and uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't occur to them to to put an Art Blakey tune on you know whatever or Felicuti or or something like that you know it was all. Oh, you know, they wanted to get behind all this great new music coming through, yeah. and rightly so. I mean, you know, new, you know, you have got to keep pushing new music all the time. You know what's funny for me is like I'm listening to all these records that we've been playing so far. Yeah. This kind of boogie jazz funk stuff, really yeah. good, good stuff. And then we're about to play a record which you're going to explain why we're playing it later on. But we're about to play Reverend Moses yes. by Lou Donaldson, and I'm listening back to that now, and I'm like, I much prefer the jazz funk boogie stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Let's have a wow. listen to it. It's funny, but I'd much rather play, I don't know, Pacific Jam than... I mean, something like Reverend Moses, it reminds me of... I think we had to put the fun into it. It got a bit too serious. Yeah. That's, I think, why the whole jazz dance thing, and even now, I think reading the book, I suddenly remembered, actually, there was times it was so claustrophobic because you just constantly felt that you had to be so heavy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, And this was where... There'd be girls and there'd yeah. be more smiling going on. So yeah, but yeah, but but that's why that's why Murphy got out of the electric ballroom and that's why you got out of the electric ballroom. Yeah, in the because end, you're all feeling stifled at uh, having to play a thousand mile an hour, you know, uh, you know, to a, you know, to a heavy, you know, t- tiny room, you know, intense, you know, where the dancers were really they they they, they were dictating what was being played, or certainly tempo-wise, more than yeah. the DJ. You know. But when you look back on the music that was being played in those rooms, there's no question about the fact that that was the most incredible, remarkable music being played. Well, that's underground for you. Which was all about the power and influence of Paul Murphy, because it all mm. goes back to him, yes. to a degree, and of his course. shop. 
and you, you, you look at records like Vlodek Gorgowski yeah. soundtrack and you're thinking yeah. where did he hear that yeah. Where, yeah. where did he get that yeah. stuff from oh, yeah, yeah. it's incredible and it's not just like you go back to New York and you see these classics the classics that Larry Levan played and David Mercuso and all those people and there's a couple of hundred classic you know records bona fide mm. New York classics yes. right yeah. jazz fusion jazz dance yeah. Paul Murphy came up with yeah Hundreds. Yeah, endless, wasn't it? What was he doing? I know. What was he doing with his time? Going through sort of mole jazz. Is it all coming from mole jazz? No, and... no, no, no. He, he, he was buying blind uh, from um, out of um, uh, one of the trade papers in America. Not, not wasn't Billboard. It's another one. He was, he was just buying blind out of adverts, buying, taking chances on yeah. deleted jazz albums. Amazing. Yeah, and he was just uncovering tons and tons of stuff that had never been heard before. Yeah, it? it's incredible and. Uh, so that's the interesting thing about about the story. But the, the book generally, um, you interviewed how many people in the end? About two hundred, just over two hundred. And who was the most? Um, who was who was the the most? Um, Who's the funniest interview you had? The most comfortable interview? Oh dear. Um, Who's the funniest jazz DJ in in the world? The, fun, the funniest. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, oh dear, I don't know. I mean, is, is there a sense? Is, does it, maybe Bangsy? Is there a sense of humour in jazz in the jazz dance DJs? I, it, I, you know, I, I, I was. It, I would say the interviews because most of the people hadn't been interviewed before. They were very thoroughbred about it, and you know, I'm very t taking it very seriously about they were going to be in this book, and they're going. They at last have had a chance to tell their story. You know. Yeah. Um, so um, I know that your interviews are long. Gosh, I mean, you came here three times and yeah. and and at least three hours every time, yeah. and I ended up getting about three hundred words. What? Where did it all go? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 everyone, all the other people in there had about half a page or three. Yours is about four, pa no, four or five pages. I'm not complaining. I know. I know. <laughs> um, you, you had to um, a lot. A lot of people were telling the same stories yeah. time and time again. You know, it's, I know there were some people who, they haven't said to me, but I'm sure they're disappointed that they were. You know, most interviews on that averaged about two hours to three hours each. I mean, people like yourself, Colin Curtis, Jonathan from Nottingham, uh, Baz for Jazz. Uh, I think I said Bob Jones. Um, you know. Um, a lot, a lot of you guys I spent a lot more time on and your interviews were a lot longer than anyone else's because I wanted to get a little bit more about your background yeah. rather than go straight into talking about your your, your club day. Well, it's free if, if, for someone like me it's free therapy anyway because you're just yeah. talking about yourself for three hours that's you know and, yeah. and you, you seem to be interested yeah <laughs> 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 Mind you, after after this, after I've done all the promotion for this book, after six months, I don't ever want to talk about it again. <laughs> if I don't want, I don't want to know any of you anymore. <laughs> okay, um, let's play another track because I'm getting tired of this Reverend Moses Baptist beat bullshit. <laughs> Thank you. 
so um, do you think people are going to be interested in this book beyond really, you know, um, fanatical people, people like DJs and people like us? Is mm. it, can this go beyond? Are you hoping it goes beyond? You, or is it just a, is this a specialist book for specialist people? Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the people that will buy this, I'm hoping that 90% of the people that buy this have nothing to do with our scene whatsoever, that are just interested in... Yeah. Like you know, it, it, it's music history, it's 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 black club culture, um, it's dance history, it's many things, and also it, it also, you know, there's there's other things that are touched on it, you know, like the origins of punk, football hooliganism, northern soul, you know, there's the um, there's so many reasons to buy the book, you know that. Um, um, you know, so um, and and also, I mean, it's been uh, like the the, 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 the my, my professor friend from Yale, Professor Robert Ferris Thompson. I mean, he's um, he's using my book as as part of a of, a, of his course there at Yale. You know, he's he's ordered seventy copies. So if he does, then there's a chance that Harvard are going to and a lot of other other colleges that, that specialise in in black culture. You know, so um we take it for granted because we've all been a part of it yeah. you know in whatever level yeah i mean it's a fascinating story and I, as you say from the football hooliganism the youth culture the rockers the teds the soul boys the mm. casuals mm. the weekenders the clubs the black the white you know the mm. north the south it's yeah. it's all there in a period of time um really sort of late 70s early 80s mm. really that that kind of period one question does that type of thing could that type of thing happen again in this digital age? Can there be a movement like there was, or will this never happen again? Is it just different the way society is going to move on? And yeah, I I I, I don't know. Um, I, I I kind of thought it was going to happen with house, you know, with and 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 maybe in a delayed reaction, it kind of is happening. And it's like well, you're getting dance styles coming through with house now, aren't you? But uh, I think that that's, you know, because our scene took so many years to get where it got. You know, I mean, my book covers 25 years, almost, you know, from uh, from going through the jazz funk into people experimenting with fusion, for it breaking off into the harder stuff to the more commercial stuff, dance styles developing, a whole new crowd coming through, discovering uh, the... the, 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 the Probably coming in just be, just because of the the, the, the harder end, edge of the jazz dance thing, predominantly black crowd in the early 80s, it's causing a whole new dance style. You know, uh, it, it 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 would have to be a great big movement of one style of music. Yeah. I was hoping that was going to happen with a broken beat, but it, but it, yeah. But then again, one thing that you just said just now as we listened to the last record, you were at Southport this weekend, yeah. you played the full 60 minutes of Roffa Roffa fight, it was possibly the biggest record of the weekend, they so, asked yeah. you to play it again the following That's day, right. maybe 15 years ago if you'd have done that, it wouldn't have gone down as yeah. well. So no, you're right, you're right, no, no, I agree, yeah, no, I agree, yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true, but we need a whole, we, we, we need a movement though, don't we, that's the thing, That's you know, there needs to be a weight of a countrywide movement for in order for something like this to happen again and I, and I hope it will do yeah I hope it will do I think it I think there's definitely going to be new DJs discovering this music because this music is incredible yeah. and uh, you can't beat it mm. simple as that I yeah. mean listen to this Barry Miles yeah incredible yeah I know The Travellers I know Paul Bradshaw The Publisher he's right here yeah a final word how's it been working with Snowboy good in there in this on this project how's it been Speaking with, with Mark. Yeah, how's it been? Well, fantastic. As you've, 
I've just sat him, you know, mesmerised at the conversation that's going on between you two. I mean, it's basically, that's, that is the, the depth and the vibe that comes out in the conversation is reflected in the whole musical taste and a commitment to, to, to a scene, really. I mean, I think, you know, what's, what becomes interesting, I think, is like, you know, when you start to ask about, you know, what, what is the link between, you know, then and now? I mean, I, you know, I've, I've grown through that whole period the same way. <coughs> I come from the North originally, you know, and ended up in the South. I was around, you know, when you and Murphy were both playing, you know, coming out of the ballroom and stuff. And, and then, you know, there's the dynamism and that, that kind of excitement that takes place, you know, in different situations. So, you know, even, even you know, like, you were saying, oh, well, you know, like, that, um, you know, the Reverend track, the, you know, the Baptist beat track, you know, sounds a bit dry compared with what you were playing earlier. But then I can, you know, I listen to that and hear a certain moment and reflect on a certain moment in the Wag Club or something. I mean, yeah. Where you just thought, whoa, kicking off. Nice yeah. girls in the corner, man, check that out. And they're all <laughs> dancing to this, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's kind of one of those things where... You know, where suddenly, you you know, something opened up in a particular way. People were, you know, open to a style of music that was basically seen as the domain of a bunch of fat jazzers down at Mole Jazz. You know what I mean? It was kind of, suddenly had a freshness to it. What's interesting now, like you were saying, you know, like within the house scene or whatever, you know, to, to a degree, it's got to be about young people. You know, it's got to be about kind of, you know, the youth finding their own kind of depth in a way i mean i think we live in a society which is pretty shallow as it stands at the moment but like you said it's very interesting you know when you if you go on youtube and you see all the youths there practicing jungle skank or tribal skank or migraine skank or whatever and they're all kind of popping their little moves and then you watch them go off into their own little groups afterwards and start improvising and you see kind of hip-hop moves creeping in you see little bits of african dance you see, you know, steps that, you know, could fit with a jazz thing. It all becomes kind of interesting, you know. And having just popped up on, on the, the Chaser Publications UK Jazz Dance Blogspot, a little thing that um, Andy Thomas said, oh, check this out. And it's Foot Patrol dancing in, in uh, Mossai Community Centre. Yeah. And they're all there. They've got braces on one shoulder, man. They've got spats on. It's proper hardcore. Fusion. Yeah, to, to house, to house, man. Yeah. You know, and acid house. You know, it's pure bleep bleep business. And it's like, from that point of view, what is the difference between that and a funky house? Now, people can still work those kind of moves into into that kind of scenario. It's all about the youth. It's all about the DJs having a little bit of vision, pushing the consciousness a little bit further. You know, and I, somebody said to me the other day, what is also interesting about that is you pick up the paper in this town, and all you see is pictures of black kids with hoods on stabbings, everything else. You go onto YouTube and all you see is young black people, man, in there learning how to dance to these funky tunes. Yeah. Hundreds of them. You know what I mean? Not some little posse on the housing estate. You know what I mean? It's like there's a real positivity that should yeah. be bigged up and given kind of life mm -hmm. by the people who got responsibility in the media and all that. Yeah. And what we're doing is connecting up a history, you know what I mean? It's like connecting up a history of people who come off housing estates, come from different places, learned how to do dance styles, which now are not just seen by us here because of the internet, seen by people in America, seen by people in Japan. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's a, a movement which 
for us, fortunately, has travelled all around the world. And I think from that point of view, you know, it, it becomes really interesting. And therefore you sort of see a scenario where you've got kind of, you know, complicated music, music that people kind of, like you say, you know, where did, where did you find this tune? And it is all that kind of mad cross-referencing and people taking chances and thinking, I'm going to play this tonight and see what happens. Yeah. And then those people on the dance floor who can do those kind of steps going, I'm, I can do this. Yeah. I can handle this tune. I'm yeah. going to go for it. Yeah. And that, that kind of, you know, that kind of attitude, yeah, it'd be lovely to see it back, mate. You know what I mean? Where's the book? The book is... What have you done with it? It's gone, it's gone. We so had it. Teeth oh, it mate. It's here. Okay, from jazz, funk and fusion to acid jazz, the history of the UK jazz dance scene, written by Mark Snowboy Cockgrove. It's out, it's um, available where and how. The best place to buy it is via authorhouse.co.uk or .com. Authorhouse.co.uk. Yeah, okay. because basically, Snowboy gets more money from there. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's available everywhere, but in all bookshops, but... If you buy it from there, we make more, much more royalties. Okay, well, you deserve it. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for coming in. Um, it's been a real pleasure. We should definitely do a part two. We should do a mix, actually, because I think we're going to get a lot of people asking for the records about us two blabbering over them. <laughs> but um, anyway, listen, congratulations for the oh, book. Thanks, Charles. appreciate it. And uh, thanks to coming, Paul, for, with, with a copy of it. I can have mine, because I gave my copy to Jez Nelson. Can I have this one? Yeah. And there's going to be a hardback version as well. for the Swifty limit. is talking about doing a very exclusive hardback, which is going to cost an arm and a leg to whoever buys them. No, you need but to they that. will be beautiful. Yes. Wonderful. You know. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. Check you later.